knows much about? Well, look, I think um, well, that's not true. We do know a lot about it. Well, not, not but I mean you. <laughs> I mean those of us that are not. Doctors. Look, it, it's it's one of those topics where the right answer is only really obvious in retrospect, and it's one of those topics where there are pluses and minuses to every option. So I think it's really important to discuss so that people really understand what those are. So let's start with when we say fresh or frozen, we're talking about an embryo. We are. So let's we we have talked about IVF and in other episodes, but. Do you want to just quickly explain how we got to... How, how, did, how did we get an embryo and deciding to put it back? So really we're talking about IVF here where we, we create uh, an embryo, which is the earliest form of human life, by combining an egg and a sperm outside of the body. And, and in IVF what we do is the, the prelude to, to creation of the embryo uh, is a two-week period where approximately two weeks where a woman takes medication to stimulate the ovary. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the aim of maturing multiple eggs in a in a month, yep. we then retrieve the eggs from the ovary with an egg collection procedure uh, under anaesthetic. Yes, and then we have the eggs in the lab. And on the day that we collect eggs, we also collect sperm yep. by some way, shape, or form yep. by uh, either thawing it if it's frozen, by a fresh sample, by ejaculation from the testis if we're using testicular sperm from a biopsy, and we procure the sperm. Mm-hmm. And then depending on what the sperm is like, we either put a dollop of zooped up sperm next to each egg or we choose a sperm carefully and inject it into each egg uh, with a single sperm. And that is all dependent on males? Whole heap of factors, whole heap of factors, but mainly the quality of the sperm. Yep. And... I was going to say quality of the males. (laughs) (laughs) Look, unfortunately... Uh, you know, there's some lots of very high quality males who have poor sperm, and you know that's a. Luckily, in in um, IVF, we can get around that. Yes. So, in terms of what so, happens next, yeah, so you've got your embryo. Yeah, so we've got our embryo. We yep. we've seen the day after the sperm and egg we united that we can uh, detect signs of fertilization, yep. and then the modern way forward is to grow the embryo out in the laboratory. For about five days. For about five days until it's a blast assist. Sometimes six, sometimes seven, usually about five or six. Yep. And, and so um, the embryo stops being called an embryo and it starts being called a blast assist? A blast assist is just a kind of embryo. It's just the stage that the embryo gets okay. to at that point. Okay, so we'll continue using the word embryo. Yeah. So then we have to decide. So the embryo in the lab can only be in the lab up until the blast assist stage and then it needs to go back to try and make a baby or be frozen for use in another cycle and, and thus the question fresh or frozen. So this means when do we at put, what stage do we put it back? At what stage do we body? put it back? Do we put the embryo in to the uterus in the context of the woman having just had a stimulated IVF cycle? Yeah. Or do we freeze the embryo for whatever reason? And there are a few different really good reasons we might do that yep. uh, to put it back in the context of a natural cycle. Okay, so let's do fresh first because that's simple. Fresh. So you've made embryos. So why why put one back fresh? So why would you go fresh? So you've just had them harvest, harvested. It's been five days since you had them out. Yep. And why put it back? Why put it back? Well, there's lots of reasons. So the aim of doing IVF is generally to have a baby. 
and another reason why you would do that. <laughs> and so we want to help you have a baby. We want to improve your chance of having a baby as soon as possible. Yes. And what better way than putting an embryo back in the uterus and letting it have a go at implanting? Yep, straight away. So the better. So that is the argument for fresh embryo transfer because yep. we we do know, and I know personally, many hundreds, you know, thousands of women who yep. have conceived through IVF yep. with a fresh embryo transfer. Yep. And so that, that is the argument for fresh embryo transfer. Now, there are arguments against fresh embryo transfer oh, as well. Okay. So we know uh, that, and I've touched on this, I think, in a previous episode, but we know that in the context of stimulation of the drugs and um, hormone levels that happen in an IVF cycle, yes. the lining of the uterus is far from ideal. Yep. So in a natural cycle, the dose of hormone that it's exposed to, that the lining of the uterus is exposed to, yep. is much, much lower than in a stimulated cycle. So once again, you can hear uh, two mascots, Daisy and Bella in the background. Just ignore them. We're trying to. <laughs> Daisy and Bella often help us record this podcast. <laughs> so why frozen? So frozen embryos are, in themselves, the freeze process doesn't aid the situation at all. So the freeze process actually can only damage an embryo. It can't make it stronger. Okay. And um, really it's about putting the embryo back at a different time point and on a different endometrium. So whenever we freeze an embryo, we do risk cryo injury to the embryo. Yes. Uh, it's only about 5% of embryos that don't survive the thaw at all. Okay. But so we do lose some pretty normal good embryos just by freezing them. So just to reiterate, here we're talking about the frozen embryo, not a frozen egg. Yeah, frozen embryo. Yep. Um, and in terms of uh, the embryo surviving the thaw, it's not an all or nothing event. So some embryos survive 99% intact, which is ideal. Yep. And others may survive, you know, with fewer than 50% of their cells intact. And if that happens in our lab, yes. uh, we actually discard that embryo. Right. Okay. Because we know it really yes. diabolically yes. impacts its chance of being a baby. And an embryo's chance of surviving the thaw has nothing to do with its quality or potential prior to freezing. It's just the actual process of freezing, yes. how it's affected that's it. That's a big area of research is, the, is thawing, isn't it? Absolutely. And, yeah. and you know, it, in modern IVF labs and certainly at Melbourne IVF where I conduct my IVF, we have world-leading success rates with our frozen embryos yeah. and that's because of the process of vitrification and the absolute kind of, um, you know, we are such sticklers with how we freeze and how we thaw. Yes. And we always invest in the very best of technology to get that as good as it can be. Yep. Uh, but in terms of um, just the biology of yes. the embryo, we yep. still lose some embryos. Okay. So that would be something against using the frozen. Yeah. So that's a risk you take when you freeze. Yeah. But there are lots of benefits as well. Yes. Let's so, the so if you do have an embryo that survives the thaw, yep. you know, majority of cells intact, uh, that embryo has as good a chance of taking as if it was fresh. Mm -hmm. And it's got a lot of advantages in terms of the environment that it goes back into in a natural cycle or an artificial thaw cycle because we can control the environment to be ideal for the embryo. Right. Whereas in a stimulated cycle, it's far from ideal. Yeah. So it's, you sort of, like we've talked about in the PCOS episodes, there's really, it's really important that your body has a cycle and cleans itself out and regulates after having had all the hormones. Yeah, and it's just, you know, in terms of the embryo, there's 
multiple factors as to whether an embryo becomes a baby. Yep. One of them is the quality of the embryo, yep. but the other is receptivity and yep. the the, quality um, the quality of the womb, the receptiveness of the womb, yes. the quality of the lining. Yep. And we know from research into preeclampsia that um, the endometrium yep. and conditions affecting the endometrium can and implantation yep. can really affect how good a placenta a baby forms and, and what the risk is of developing preeclampsia, which is related to that. Yep. In terms of uh, the endometrium, by freezing the embryo, we can also kind of do some tests on the endometrium and see if it's receptive or not and when it's receptive. And we can make it more scientific than just throwing an embryo back. So often with my patients, I may do endometrial biopsy in what I call a mock cycle or mock transfer cycle if I'm thinking that there might be some kind of asynchrony between when the embryo is ready to implant and when the endometrium is receptive. And there's a variety of tests you can do. You can take a biopsy of the lining and just look at the cells under a microscope and an expert histologist, uh, pathologist with an interest in in cell um, shape and size and and function can tell what day post-ovulation the endometrium matches up with. And sometimes the answer we get from the histologist is different from what we think. And that's interesting because we base when we put embryos back, we usually do a transfer on day five after ovulation. We base that on when most people are receptive. Right, not when everyone. But there's always outliers. And in biology, that's always the case. There's there's the normal curve and then there's people who are outliers. Some people, the embryo should actually go back on day four. And some people, the embryo should go back on day six. So we can can find that out by looking at the histology and we can do also protein expression (laughs) studies. And a famous one is called the ERA test by eGenomics. And um, from Australia, yeah. uh, if I use the ERA test, I send the sample to Tokyo. And I was lucky enough to visit the eGenomics lab earlier in the year. Yeah. Okay. So we've got one disadvantage to going frozen, and that's the break de- the potential breakdown of the embryo. Are there any other disadvantages? Look, that's the main disadvantage. There are other advantages. Okay. So... Another advantage to freezing embryos is that it allows you, paradoxically, to not be pregnant after your first IVF cycle. Mm -hmm. And that means it gives you the opportunity, if you're planning to have more than one child but you're a little bit older, to put some extra embryos in the freezer. So you can do more than one cycle with the name of embryo banking. Okay. It also gives you the opportunity to genetically test embryos, which we may want to do for reasons of screening to check for chromosome abnormalities that happen as we get older. And is it recommended that you do the genetic testing before they're frozen? Absolutely. That's the way to do it. I mean, you wouldn't want to thaw embryos, test them and refreeze them. And you can't get the answer with today's technology fast enough to do a fresh transfer with a blastocyst biopsy on day five. So um, it's just not feasible. Maybe one day... Uh, when the testing can be done faster, yeah. um, that might be possible. But at the moment, you have to freeze the embryo to genetically test it and get a result back. Okay. What are other benefits? So other benefits of a frozen transfer is it really reduces your risk of hyperstimulation. Yes. So hyperstimulation is a complication of going through IVF treatment and subsequently getting pregnant. So I suppose what, the, what, what, what this is is that you can do everything you need to do to get the best outcome from your egg collection and then it not impact on the transfer look that's all really good in theory but you know i would still recommend if i have patients who don't have many embryos i would still recommend to consider a fresh transfer because you don't want to risk losing that embryo so it's all about 
risk calculation yeah. and trying to play the play the cards right for an individual and a couple. Okay. And so what I might do for one patient might be different to what I do for another. Um, if somebody's, uh, you know, making only a very low number of embryos and losing that embryo may be catastrophic, it may really impact their chance of having a baby, yeah. then going for a fresh transfer with the knowledge that the lining may not be ideal might be the right thing to do. Yeah. And my approach is always to discuss with patients what they want to do. Yes. Because at the end of the day, I, I make recommendations and my patients make decisions. Yeah. So... I'll discuss all of these uh, aspects with my patients if I'm considering a freeze-all cycle. Mm -hmm. And um, there are also economic disadvantages to doing a freeze-all cycle, by the way, because in Australia, the way Medicare is funded is kind of like the first embryo transfers included in an IVF cycle. So it, it can be more expensive for patients to what I call segregate the cycle and go for a frozen transfer. So that's another reason why you wouldn't do it uniformly in all patients. Yes, okay. It really is a case-by-case case basis. Absolutely. Individualisation of care gets the best outcomes. Okay. okay. If you are doing a fresh transfer, is there anything you can do to improve the outcome? Look, we can use what's called the embryoscope, which is a special incubator where we measure how embryos are going um, by video monitoring them. And it allows us to use what we call morphokinetic analysis. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that we can judge embryos not just about how they look, but also how they behave. And it helps us to choose the best embryo for transfer by excluding embryos that make mistakes in their development that can be captured on video, but that might be missed if we were just kind of periodically looking at the embryos. The embryoscope's also the best incubator around in terms of outcomes of blastocysts. And one of the reasons for that has nothing to do with the embryo technology being used in terms of the video. It's got to do with not disturbing the embryos because we can observe them and make critical observations um, without actually opening the incubator, changing the conditions, exposing the embryos to a change in temperature, uh, change in pH. So we can know more about them, so get get the same and actually a greater amount of information, but maintaining their pristine environment. So it is the world's best incubator, as well as adding that extra selective advantage by using the video. Okay, thank you. So really pluses and minuses to both, and it's... Real depends on the on the. Patient. Yeah, I think clinical situation and um, individualization of care. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Knocked Up, the podcast about getting pregnant. For more information about Raylia Women's Health Melbourne and how to get pregnant, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au or find us on the socials under Women's Health Melbourne. Or you can send an email with any future episode requests to podcasts at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. See you next week.